When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We must have done something right last week. We've been allowed to slip away from our desks for the afternoon and record a second podcast. A podcast that's still without a name, but we are still working on that. I'm Dom Shaw with Anthony Vickers and Phil Talentier once again to discuss all things Borough. And we're starting with a popular head-to-head from Gazette Live this week. Vic and Phil discussed Steve Gibson's best appointment. Vic, you went for Brian Robson. Why Robbo? I think he encapsulated a moment in the club's history where suddenly anything was possible. And for all his failings as a manager, I mean, no one's going to argue that tactically he was great or he was a, you know, a superb uh, spotter of young talent. Uh, he had a lot of money to play with. But at the end of the day, he transformed the club and put it on the top table. And for the two or three years, it was incredibly exciting. And it ups and downs. And I mean, that, as a football fan, that's what you want. I mean, it's what I grew up with, kind of, you know, the, I remember I went for the first time and kind of... Uh, 96, 97 and, and uh, it's a lot of the fans who go now I think that was the problem wasn't it when we were relegated that was the, the what the grown up and the players who they'd got used to watching week in week out it takes some getting used to doesn't it when, when all at once you're playing in the second tier and, and you don't recognise the teams and players who are coming to play against you every week I think people have to remember where we were as a club before that you know it, 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 uh, liquidation was a very very recent memory and Borough had been in the second division for, for 20 years knocking on uh, they had no money, they were in a crumbling stadium, uh, very little national coverage. You know, we, we were a, a non-entity, a make-weight in the second division. And within two or three years, we were buying the best players in the world. And that's an incredible transformation, and I don't think we should take it for granted. No, I think it's, um, it's an interesting... I agree with most of what Vic says about Brian Robson. I mean, clearly, the, the great thing about him was he dared to dream. You know, he another manager might might not have had the... The idea of going after the the man who scored the winning goal, one of the goals in the European Cup final for Juventus, you know, in Ravanelli. I think sometimes we do get a little bit clouded. I, I agree with everything about the fact that he put Burr on the map. Could somebody else have done that? Possibly not with exactly the same amount of pizzazz and um, and sheer bravado. But perhaps looking back, and we can do that now because it's it's, it's ancient history in some respects, footballing wise. I sometimes think, you know, would have a different manager have done a, a, maybe a slower build? Because I think, I think all, the, all the, the groundwork was there um, and done something a little bit more lasting because I think Brian's big problem was I don't think sometimes he looked beyond the next match or the next signing. Um, it's all great debating points. I think the other thing to, to remember about that period is, of course, as well, that perhaps his failings um, came through, you know, in terms of, at the end of the day, everyone talks about 96, 97, but yet Borough are relegated. And, and I think it's forgotten that a lot of the home games in the league that season were pretty desperate once we got beyond, you know, once the leaves started falling off the trees. You know, everyone remembers the West Ham win, the, the massive cup, League Cup win, um, you know, beating Coventry. Um, there was a, after that, when Borough went into free fall virtually, and then they had, the, of course, the three points. But it's a great debating point. I mean, personally, as you know, I went for. I went for eight or Karanka. I think the big thing that a lot of people picked up on is why not Steve McLaren? And I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a second. I think why I went for Karanka was, was, was on purely 
when push comes to shove and you tick the boxes of what a coach or a manager can bring to the club, I feel that potentially, and it's sticking your neck out a bit because it's still early days, he could tick every box. You know, tactically, he's got something about him. Um, he seems to have a good eye for a player. His background's impeccable in terms of his coaching credentials. You know, I mean, I think even Brian Robson's biggest fan wouldn't suggest that Robbo was, you know, the greatest tactician. And although he was a well-respected coach in England, worked with Terry Venables, his future career suggests that he didn't, he wasn't be able to build on his time at Middlesbrough. Will Karanka go on to become the Steve Gibson's best appointment? Let's hope it's with Burr if he does, and that he, we don't have such a good season this season that everybody's hankering for him to be, you know, the replacement manager at X club, Y club, that you yeah, know, right seen, at the top. The, the ridiculous, you know what they like, the ridiculous odds to get thrown about for managers. But I see he's third favourite to be the next QPR manager if Harry goes, which but, just seems. Yeah, I don't think he'd touch it, would he? He's <laughs> bought into the project. We talked about that on the last <laughs> podcast. I talk Karanka has bought into Project Middlesbrough. He respects Steve Gibson. I'm sure, like anybody else, there's a job out there with his name on it if it comes along. And believe you me, his reputation in somewhere like Spain is massive. I mean, it, it's almost impossible to compare managers from, from one era to another because they, they arrive at the club in a completely different landscape, uh, different financial situations in terms of uh, money that's available for signings and uh, the squad they inherit and whereabouts they are in the division uh, and also what their expectations are at, at any given point and be- because of that it's almost impossible to, to measure because obviously Steve McLaren puts his, his league cup on the table and, and that makes him the best that's, you know, that's, that's fine, you can't argue with that but the, you know, the, there are points in club's history where you need the right man for the right job I mean, I, and I would point uh, for instance at Bruce Rioch who came into the club when it was only well, it was in liquidation that the summer when he was building his squad, uh, he, he was left with a couple of journeymen, uh, a, a bunch of teenagers that were unproven in first team football, and the outlook didn't look very good. And what he did in, in those two years, three years, was absolutely incredible. Uh, and against a backdrop of a club that was uh, in, in terminal decline, uh, very very low gates, uh, non-entities in the football universe. Uh, he, he put together successive promotions that not only uh, revived the club but galvanised the town and suddenly the, the, you had that unity of the town and the team and the board and everyone was pulling together in the same direction again and that set the, the foundations in place for what was to become Steve Gibson's you know, great vision of a, of a revived Middlesbrough. Uh, yet if you said to people today, you know, you think Bruce Reacts a good manager, they would say, well... You know, got promoted from the third division to the second, and you know, they weren't even champions. You know, that's no big deal. Yeah, for people who lived through it, that not only is it a big deal, it's probably the most fundamental moment in the club's history. So you've got to be very wary of, of measuring managers just on the basis of of what they win. It's about what tasks they're set. And similarly, uh, Tony Mowbray came in with the club again in decline. Most of the money had been spent. And that was a club that was headed for relegation. And at that point, you know, with, with uh, crowds dropping, morale f- fading away, relegation would have been an absolute disaster and we can't possibly foretell the, you know, the bleak situation we could have been in. But Mogga came in, uh, inherited a demoralised bunch of, of players and, and uh, steadied the ship. And that season actually finished with quite an upbeat mood and playing quite well. And there was a very, you know, a, a very good run that put Mogger in a position where that summer he could reshape his team. 
And that for me is a, a classic case of the right man at the right time, as with, with uh, Bruce Rioch. Uh, and whereas with Steve McLaren, you think, well, he stepped in at a, p- a point where uh, the, the club had been in the Premier League for several years, incredibly well financed, the ground was sold out every week, uh, state-of-the-art training facilities. It was a fantastic time for t- to take over at that club. And you have to ask, well, would any, any other individual manager have done what he did? And I think there's a strong argument to say, well, yes, they, they possibly could, because it was the perfect time for a manager to be taken over. And maybe half a dozen managers could have done the job. Maybe someone would have won the League Cup and the FA Cup. Someone, maybe someone would have got into the Champions League. We don't know. Uh, but you can only measure people against what their expectations are. And I think a lot of people would say for, uh, of Steve McLaren that he did well with the Cups. You know, no one's ever going to take away the, the fairy tale spell in Europe but a lot of the league football was quite drab and two or three of those years were spent playing one up front against teams in the bottom six and you know there was there was a hell of a lot of moaning about football at the time and even the chairman was moved at one point to describe the football on offer as being dross the one that makes always makes me laugh when I remember back is uh, I can't remember what stage of the season it was Liverpool at home where it was nil-nil in the 90th minute, we got a corner, and Yakubu took the corner short, and we had however many bodies in the box, to which point the North stand went absolute uproar, because Yakubu is doing what he does to shield the ball, but that was McLaren, wasn't it? Yeah, well, know? The famous one I remember was Portsmouth on TV, I think it was Alan Delon, or that was the manager, was it Alan Delon? Something like that, it was the manager at Portsmouth, I think they'd lost umpteen on the bounce, and Borough were playing them live on the box on a Saturday night, and Steve McLaren went up with one up front against the, t- the worst team in the division. And then I think even Steve, Steve Gibson was was moved to say, oh, "I'll never, we'll never do that again." You know, when, he went home and kicked the cat. Yeah, went and kicked the cat. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I think when you're comparing managers, it is massively about resources. And Brian Robson was, for want of a better word, indulged, wasn't he, right the way through, virtually. And, you know, even when Borough were relegated in 97, he was able to go out and sign Paul Merson, who, you know, and, and pretty much keep a Premier League team together. Um, you know, it was a strong team, and he did well to get them back up, don't get me wrong. It's very easy to slide down and keep the slide going, but, you know, when he brought them back up, he went out and bought established players like Gary Pallister and Colin Cooper and people like that. And, um, and then Steve McLaren, as Vic said, came in and... Although the first season, I think his, his achievement was terrific in keeping Burr up, with the, because he inherited a team that lacked direction to me and lacked lacked players with drive and ambition. It was an old team, it was an ageing team, and, and he you know he, he revitalised it and got Burr to a cup semi final and to you know and to safety as well. I think when you think that he went out then and 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 spent a lot of money on on a lot of players, not all of whom to me seemed particularly well scouted. Um, you know, he broke the transfer record for. Um, Macaroni, for example, a player who just, you know, it seemed as though they'd bought almost on a whim after seeing him score for Italy in the under 21 European Championships. Um, so it's difficult, as I said, Steve McLaren, of course, achieved a great deal in terms of the Cups. Um, but I think, I think league, probably Borough fans have been a little bit under, you know, underserved both by Robson and by McLaren. Really. Neither was able to to get the league form right on a sustained basis. And you look at teams around that era um, that managed to break 
into the top end of the table. Newcastle did it under Kevin Keegan. Leeds did it under David O'Leary. And that was even before the, the Mad Ridsdale spending. Uh, Chelsea, a club who we think of as a, as a European powerhouse, weren't in that state in the mid-90s. And they managed to push on and compete at the top end. Borough never really were able to do that. And I sometimes wonder if some of that money that Steve Gibson put in was squandered. You know, They made a loss in the European seasons, for example. And, you know... Buys like Rockenbach and Reitziger and people like that. I know, you know, I know some, some some particular players were loan signings and what have you, or, or, or free signings or whatever. But a lot of money was spent on a lot of players, and you kind of thought each time they weren't working on the foundations of the club too much. It was more about instant success. And Steve Gibson, or, sorry, Steve McLaren, always seemed to have one eye on his own future rather yeah. than Burroughs. The Leeds and Newcastle. Yeah, Burroughs, I think it? Brian Robson was fully with Burrow when he was there, and you wanted nothing more than success with Burrow when he was there. But nonetheless, never always looked at the bigger picture, and it was always the next buy, wasn't it? You know, bringing somebody in, never really developing a, a strategy, um, a foundations. The whole thing felt as though it was built on sand a little bit but that's nitpicking in some respects because of course both Robson and McLaren achieved um, unprecedented things, you know, cup finals uh, European cup finals you know, Europe, it was just it was just an incredible adventure um, but maybe it's if you've been ultra picky the, 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 the league form consistently through that period could have been better And Talking about timing then, Southgate was the complete other end of the spectrum wasn't he? He was you know Absolutely, it? yeah. The other side of the coin is sometimes you get the wrong man at the wrong time. Uh, Gareth Southgate came in at a time when the club was at an historical high in terms of profile after two successive uh, campaigns in Europe, the highest ever position in the Premier League, UEFA Cup final, uh, again with a, a pretty much sell-out crowds every week. Uh, but there was things going on behind the scenes and, and the, the spending... Uh, was going to have to stop basically you know the, the, uh, that summer uh, 24 million pounds worth of, of signings left the club without a penny coming in and it was time to start reeling it in a little bit and that was the time when you perhaps needed a shrewder manager that had contacts and could bring in players to do a job on the cheap and it wasn't really time for a, a rookie and uh, if you were to list Steve, Steve Gibson's mistakes over the years appointing Southgate would probably be one of them and, and I understand why he did it, because he was looking for continuity and uh, Steve McLaren had built a very efficient, uh, highly rated backroom staff and, and they wanted to keep it together. They wanted to create a borough boot room and they thought if they brought in an outside manager, he would want to break that up and bring their own people in. And I can understand the logic of, of Southgate, but we've got to say it, it went horribly wrong. Although... He did okay. He wasn't a disaster in his first season or two. Uh, the, the signings that he made gradually led to a, the, the team being degraded. And I think there was a kind of air of ne- inevitability about it. Uh, even though relegation came down on the wire, I mean, it wasn't a cut and dried thing and it was fine margins, etc. Uh, but that, that was a massive blow to the club. Re- relegation came at just the wrong time. Uh, and the, you could argue that that job has never been more attractive than after the UEFA Cup final and Borough would have had masses of interest and we would have had 20 or 30 strong candidates probably 6 incredibly good candidates and that's a missed moment of historic opportunity I think also what was going back to what we were talking about before about Robson and McLaren as well there was a brief period in English football where the amount of money that Steve Gibson had to spend on, on talent, on players 
was equal or more than most of the clubs in the division. Now, of course, that's gone now. You've got your Chelsea's, your Manchester City's, Man United, Arsenal, Tottenham, even clubs like that can vastly outspend the rest. But for a brief period, Borough were competing for every player on the planet, just about yeah. on, on, on a level footing, you know. And and that was that was the one moment in time when maybe Middlesbrough could have been a genuine, steady top five club. Um, but absolutely, going back to what Vic's saying about Gareth, it was it was it was a shame really that Borough couldn't find. The right manager who would, I think, you look, I remember not long after Scarlett Southgate took over, and uh, one of the stories we were running, you know, was Borough were keeping an eye on um, Young um, when he was, I think he was at Watford, wasn't oh, he? Oh, yes, yeah. And he was a player, you know, and Borough ummed and to think about whether to bid for him or not, and, it, and, and he would have probably been the right sort of player at that time, a young up and coming mm. player. And too often, I don't think Borough looked beyond. Europe or beyond the top divisions, they missed out on the likes of Tim Cahill. Tim Cahill you know, we, yeah. Borough, Borough players that you think Borough could build a club around, um, players who are ambitious and want to come up and prove something rather than already pr- have proved everything and almost say Middlesbrough has stepped down. Um, there was a little bit of that as well, wasn't there? So, um, I mean, Gareth might go on to become a very successful international manager. He's clearly learned a lot. He's, he's, he's bright enough to have learned from his experience at Borough. But perhaps looking back, as Vic says, it, it, it was uh, it was done with the best of intentions, but perhaps done a little bit naively. And obviously, the price of that was relegation ultimately, although not completely just down to Southgate. But it did it didn't it did preside over some very poor buys and sells. You know, James Morrison going out. Didier Digard coming in, Lee Catamull going out when the team needed fighters yeah. and battlers, and Jeremy Alidiak coming in, and you know it became a team that was, for want of a better expression, a soft touch, and um, and it's taken a long, long time to to, to get the, the the team back on track, really, from those from those from those days. Back to now, then, and, and Karanka's signings. We've been discussing his best loan signing this week, and. Um, I think there's, a, there's an argument for everyone there other than maybe Blackman and Velkovic who haven't really had a chance to impress yet. All the others are, have taken the opportunity, especially Frederick since he's been in for Abella. Um, Vossen's the intriguing one though. I think a lot of fans are still wanting to know when, when Vossen's going to get his chance. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, uh, there's definitely a player in there. Uh, on the occasions when he's come off the bench for 20 minutes, half an hour, I, I think he's added something to the team. He's a little bit of zip. He's very clever. He's got a good touch. He sees a good pass. He links up well, uh, and I, I think he, he does add uh, some fluidity up front. And harnessing that could make a big difference. Uh, and hopefully, at some point, he'll get that chance. But when he started, I think sometimes he's, he hasn't really got to grips with the pace of the game. And maybe he needs a couple of games under his belt. But unfortunately, with the rest of the team doing so well he's not going to get that chance because Karanka's made it quite clear that he's going to stick with the team, the, the, the blokes who are doing the business, uh, which is unfortunate because I, I think there is a player there and when we see the best of him, I, I think he can make a significant contribution to the season and I hope people are patient with him because obviously he arrived with a big fanfare and there's the, the viral campaign to free him from his mink line prison in Belgium <laughs> and he arrived almost... He was pushing it an open door. He was a fan's favourite before he put the shirt on. But he, he needs a goal in the way that you know Kike came in and scored uh, and electrified the fans and caught the imagination. 
Bosson's almost in danger of becoming a forgotten man. I think the difficulty with Yelly Bosson at the moment is having seen him mainly in cameos, he's, what is he? Is he a central striker? Is he, does he play wide and drift in? Does he play behind the striker? He hasn't really had an opportunity to, to, to prove that he's one thing or another. And maybe he's becoming, he's being moved around a little bit and that hasn't suited him. I think there's loads of time left with Yelly Bosson and it's clearly not getting a game because the team's doing well and the players in front of him are impressing him. And the great thing about Isaac Aranka is he, he's stuck with the players who are doing it for him. You know, Why should Adam Reach be dropped to accommodate somebody? Why should Kike be rested just to give Vossen a run if it's going to affect Borough's chances of winning a game? There's a long, long way to go with Vossen so far and and the way the deal's been set up, it's almost certain that he'll sign a long-term deal anyway next summer. Um, so I, I'm not too worried about Yelly Vossen. You know? Same with Yannick Vildshot. He really, I know he had a, a fantastic performance against Rotherham, but he really hasn't had that much of a chance to show what he can do either. I know he's not a loan signing, but... He'll get his chance as well. The manager's being strong and he's sticking with the players in form and nobody should criticise him for that. Would, and I know Fredericks and, and Ken last year obviously impressed. If, if we, we did get promoted this year, would there be any chance of, of one, extending those for a second year or maybe even signing either of those on a permanent deal? I think there's a decent chance, yeah, because uh, Ito Karanka knows both the managers concerned. They trust each other. And there's a perception within the game that Middlesbrough play good football um, not just on the pitch but the, the structure behind the scenes the philosophy the training set up uh, is something that most man, most Premier League managers uh, appreciate which is good because they want their players to go somewhere where they learn positives and develop as, as individuals and as players they don't want to send somewhere send you to somewhere where you might learn bad habits uh, so and the way Almost every transfer, uh, loan signing we've had has been a success, counts as well. Uh, I think Chelsea would be thinking, after two seasons in the Championship, Ken probably needs to be playing in the Premier League next year. And if we and don't, probably Bamford as well. To if we don't go up, I think it would be a problem get, getting him. Uh, certainly Fredericks has flourished here, he's getting a lot of football, he's nowhere near the first team at Spurs, although you look at their defence sometimes and you wonder why. But yes, I mean, if they're if, as long as everyone feels like every, the, the players are making progress, I think we would have a good shout to keep those. And I think keeping them would be a sensible and positive move because they're, they're good players. Well, what I like about them both, Fredrickson Bamford in particular, is they're, they're, they're clearly strong-minded individuals and got a bit about them. Uh, I was impressed when Fredericks said the reason why he asked Spurs for his original loan move, I think it went to Millwall, didn't he, um, was after watching Borough seniors play their under-21 team in Portugal and seen Borough marmalise them 5-0 it was men against boys and he, he said to himself I want to go out and learn to play football in an adult environment and that takes a lot of doing for a young lad it's impressive he's, you know, he's driven you can see by the way he plays football he's a thinking footballer he's also tough and resilient and Bamford likewise I'm, I'm pleased that Bamford had to think long and hard about coming to Borough because he's clearly thinking long and hard about his own development. You know, it's easy to just jump at this great first opportunity to go and play somewhere. You know, why shouldn't he think long and hard about where he wants to spend the next six months or the next 12 months, you know, depending on, on the, the, the terms of the loan deal? He's an intelligent lad. He's bright, he's physical, he's big, he's strong, he scores with both feet, he heads as well. He's got a lot going for him. You know, why not place a value on your own ability? Um, and likewise, I, I can see, you know, 
we talked about Fredericks, he won't want another season in the Championship, probably. I'm not, I don't think Patrick Bamford would want another season in the, in the Championship, you know, whatever happens. So, if Burr are in the Premier League, the timing could be great for signings like that. Um, Bamford isn't going to get a start at Chelsea next season, whatever happens, I don't think, unless he really kicks on another level, because the gap between even a decent Premier League player and the players Chelsea want to field week in, week out is, is big. It's almost insurmountable for a, for a 20, 21-year-old. Looking at you know what, what happened to some of the players like Lukaku as well, it's very difficult to break into that team. So Borough could be the perfectly placed vehicle for a player like that who's ambitious, who wants to play in the Premier League. Um, why not stay with Borough? If Mourinho's still at Chelsea and Karanka's still at Borough, surely that's a logical... Um, option and it's worth pointing out as well that the, the team spirit here is fantastic and all the players are really enjoying it. Yeah, you know some players go on loan and, and you get the impression they really just want to be home and they go home every, every opportunity they can. But the lads here seem to enjoy each other's company and they enjoy playing the way they enjoy training. And also, if the season ends up in success and you've enjoyed yourself for a year, why wouldn't it be your preferred option? Well, it's impressive, isn't it, the fact that. Um, Borough is seen as a genuinely viable place to send a player to to, to, to continue to develop. Mm. They're not seeing that you know that Chelsea aren't sending players to Middlesbrough because Karanka's friends with Mourinho. Although it helps open the doors, they're sending them to Middlesbrough because they think right, it's a great setup. The training is is second to none. The the, the academy buildings are second to none. They they're going to work in an environment. It's not a million miles away from what they're already working in. You know, it's not like for one, you know, without with, with respect, sending them to a, a League One club where they might be training in a porter cabin on a field by the M1 or something like that. And getting this, booted about. And, you yeah. know, this is this they 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 want the players to come back to Chelsea or to the the parent clubs a better player than the left, and that's what Borough can offer at the moment. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the the Chelsea players are here is a, a big plus for the club because I, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but. Chelsea actually send their own coaches up uh, once every couple of weeks to check on the development and to help out with various conditioning and specialist training things. Right. And they also, it's a, it's a two-way flow of information, they're going back to Jose and saying, yeah, they're training well. well and Tony, that's important. Yeah. Well, Tony Mowbray used to file, I don't know if it was weekly or fortnightly, but when Josh McEachern was at Borough, he, he was sending back a weekly report, status update, how he was doing, you know, what, what sort of things he was doing. It's not, it's not a cosy here, we'll lend you him for three weeks or four weeks. There's much more to it than that. It's and just to catch up at the end no, of the year on yeah, how exactly. it's, it's It's quite clear that Borough are ticking the boxes and mm. meeting all the criteria that the, the, these clubs are asking for, which has got to be a positive because it shows that Borough are doing things in the right way. And these are different signings to, to your Callum Fallens and the likes, aren't they? We were signing a few years ago. There's actually thinking in there. It's not just a short-term solution to come and fill a vacant gap for, for two, three, four weeks. Well, the thing is, I think there's two things to that, isn't there? First of all, Borough's links, you know, we talked about the, the connections with Chelsea and we talked about Pochettino did his badges with, with Carranca. He, he was the assistant head coach at Real Madrid when Mourinho was there. So the trust is there. Borough's scouting network is now fantastic, and credit to Tony Mowbray for helping to develop that, by the way. You know, with the, the, the loan signings you were talking about that were done at, at the beginning of Gordon Strachan's time and the end of Gareth Southgate's time, there probably wasn't the finances, there probably wasn't the recruitment network, so it was very much, we need a player in on Saturday, go and get me Isaiah Osborne, yeah. because his agent says I can have him for a couple of weeks. That was pretty much the thought process. You know, J.O. Shea, um, you know, yeah. because... 
there were no other options. And it helps, of course, that Borough are pushing at a high level now. They're not struggling down at the wrong end of the championship. What we have now is well-scouted, strategic, long-term loans, whereas in the past we had uh, emergency loans and sometimes outright panic loans. Fantastic. Thanks again. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Nick.